This is Channel 253. In this episode of Crossing Division. As soon as higher income, um, as soon as interests who are white see a need to, to be in their communities, either through force or through a check, will slide these uh, communities, longstanding communities, especially African-American, out of the way. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Hi, this is Evelyn Lopez. This week on Crossing Division... We're going to piggyback on the recent, uh, yesterday's uh, Downtown On The Go Friday Forum. This year, Downtown On The Go is looking at uh, very closely at racism in public planning, policy, and transportation planning. Yesterday's topic was um, where the sidewalks end, racism in urban planning and crime prevention. And so I wanted to sort of take that as our starting point and jump off and talk more about um, gentrification, equity, where amenities are located in communities around Tacoma, and then get into things that I might not initially think of as racist or having a disproportionately negative impact on communities of color, but that really do. So the guest I've invited on the show today is someone who I know has a really deep knowledge about policy and planning and politics uh, it is Dorian Waller, who is a principal in Archway Consulting, one of our um, local uh, political consulting firms. Um, he does a lot of anti-racism work in that capacity also. Um, plus, he's a commissioner on the Washington State Commission on African-American Affairs. So he's got a pretty deep knowledge on a lot of things, and he's opened my eyes a number of times on social media to implicit biases and microaggressions and other things that I might not have always been aware of. So I'm really, really happy that Dorian was available today. And let me tell you, taking a little time out of a very tough schedule because Dorian recently had beautiful twin baby girls and um, has been juggling that along with all the other things he does. So welcome, Dorian. And could you start out telling me a little bit about, you know, sort of all of the different things, you don't do everything, but all of the different things that you sort of focus on um, in your life with uh, your job, with Archway, with uh, the Commission on African-American Affairs. And I, I should add also that you were a member of the City of Tacoma's Planning Commission for a number of years, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so apparently I do everything besides um, know how to change diapers yet <laughs> so apparently i do everything else but my wife would say otherwise but um, um so yeah again uh, during Waller here to uh, thank you evelyn um yes yeah, so founder and one of the principals for archway consulting uh, i started archway about 11 years ago um doing general general policy and also community in- engagement work um really was hired by a number of clients, especially cities here in Pierce and King County to help engage the actual communities and help sort of spur economic development because I started the firm in 2009, right out of grad school. So couldn't land a job anywhere. So I just created a job for myself. And one one of the projects that I um, helped, um, well, not helped, but actually started was with the the city of Lakewood, uh, the city hired me to help in, engage and, and sort of create a economic circuit, as I like to call it, for their Russian, uh, Korean, Japanese, and Central um, um, American uh, populations. Because the city didn't know how to engage those very uh, distinct cultural groups, and especially within the Central American so, so, so the city just assumed that Central American meant a a country, and I said no. It, it, they are very distinct cultures within that actual strip of, of land from Mexico through 
through Panama. So either way, the city hired me. And so out of that comes, and I don't know how often persons um, go to Lakewood, but came the Lakewood International District. Okay. And so even though it's, it, it doesn't look like a sort of like homogenous neighborhood type type district, it, it gave character to what otherwise looked like a very long stretch of strip malls in itself. And it gave gave it its own eye, eye like identity in itself. So a lot of my early work was around, I, I call myself a, a paratrooper. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I dropped in early, assessed the situation, um, had a chance to really engage those persons who lived in the actual uh, community just to see what they they would like. And then the city would have to in some ways meet their terms and and, and find the funding in order to, to make it happen. So that was one of my earlier projects in 2010. And it's so funny driving through um, Lakewood, especially along South Tacoma Way and, and seeing that huge sign up there now saying, yeah, I, I remember when the city was afraid to uh, go in there. So, so they hired a black guy to do it. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so, yeah, a lot of projects like that. And then in 2015, um, we actually expanded into um, um, a campaign consulting and I um, asked um, Christina Blocker and Keith Blocker to join me. And so over the years, I've expanded even more so into working with large organizations like, let's, let's say, ACLU as well around campaigns and so forth. Um, like I said, I, I'm still a principal. However, I, I like to say that our actual fearless leader is now Christina Blocker, because uh, uh, to me, it, it, it makes it makes, it makes makes natural sense. I started a company, but in order to elevate it, you know, someone else has to do that. And yet I'm still around, still in, in heavily involved with it, but you know, you know, a, a leader also knows when it, it, it is no longer their time to lead to. Yeah. So, so also, um, you know, a, a, a lot of people are aware of this, but the, the past three and a half years, I am also the government relations ad, administrator for King County Solid Waste, actually. A, a lot of persons aren't actually <laughs> aware of that. And so, and so that in itself is a totally different beast because it's, it's, it's solid waste. People don't really think about it. Say, well, I just throw it away. I just, I just recycle. I just, I just suggest. And, and to see the econ- economic and social r- ramifications of solid waste, it, 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 it is a, it is a very interesting industry to actually be a, a part of, especially in King County. So I still, I, I live in Tacoma. I love Pierce County, Tacoma, but I also serving in King County as well. And so to see how, you know, it's a, a very telling thing when you can see how economics and race plays a part with what and how a person can can actually throw away and or also recycle in itself. And so King County is very lopsided because you see extremely high recycling rates in like North and East King County. But as soon as you hit that sort of, sort of, uh, uh, sort of um, that axle, I can't can't recall the actual uh, the valley, but I by the way mm-hmm. highway one six seven of a valley, those rates are sometimes drastically different. And as all of us know, it's where it these towns are becoming or have become more uh, sort of uh, diverse as well. And, and these cities are struggling with how to actually sort of encourage and also engage these uh, communities of, of color about you know recycling and also different waste options because it is as I I, I dovetail into it is that a, a, a lot of governmental entities especially around waste especially around um, in the, the actual environment and transit and so forth are very sort of non-people focused they are they are more thought focused on the the actual health of our actual env- environment in itself and that's great and and, and i say that as a as a, a a double graduate of the evergreen state college but in a lot of ways these entities are actually devoid of culture mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and they struggle with how to increase the recycling rates um, um, among uh, um, uh, among Eastern African households. It's actually awfully easy. You just have to ask them. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very easy to do. You just have to ask them. But the problem is in asking them, you also have to give over your own, own sort of assumptions about what is the right way. Yes. I, I think that's I think that's exactly the perfect um, crossover point to talk about, you know, Tacoma neighborhoods as well, uh, because I think you're right. I, and, and and this came up in the Friday Forum a little bit, too. And that is that they didn't really put it this way. But uh, as someone who I've been in government for most of my uh, well, just about all my adult life. And uh, when you're in government, you you know, you you usually feel like you know what you're doing and you know how things should work and how things could work most efficiently. And I think it's a there's a real um, blindness to the need to um, engage with the people who are really going to be affected by your policy decisions. Uh, and I'm sure that you see that too. And, and in some ways, things like um, streetscapes and solid waste kind of allow us to see it in its clearest form because they're actually things, you know, things in neighborhoods that some people have and other people don't have. Um, tell me about yeah, that. That's, that's, that's very interesting you say that because I would say even in solid waste and, and, and this is across the board, I can tell the, uh, the health of an actual, of an actual community and it could be a town city or it could be a certain part of town simply by what they are actually throwing away. I can I I can tell how simply how getting well off a neighborhood or, or even a street is doing by you know just seeing what they're throwing away and what they're actually recycling itself. If and again a, a person's household is is doing great financially or or just had an upswing in income, that person tends to throw away more stuff. Hmm. You, I, I mean, and 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 if you think about it, I mean, how often have we received a, a raise? Have we received a gift of some kind, a check? And 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 me, I'm a cheapskate, so, mm-hmm. so my wife will say, "Well, you, you'll just save or invest it." <laughs> yeah, yeah we go. But but you know, the, the average person will find a reason to spend it. Yeah. You want to treat yourself a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You just will, and and so and 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 so I've I've thinking myself to get the circle back around. You know, I, I serve I serve in the state's African American Affairs Commission, and we actually had a conversation about when cities do these urban village centers. It's usually around lower income and or African American or other household of, of, of color who are already concentrated in the area itself. And, and they almost create this urban village concept around them, but not including them. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, a perfect example is of course, if persons have seen and or are seen it's, it's sort of changing, but the, the whole uh, Tacoma Mall area. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time I served on again the you know the, the city's planning commission, and this was about three or four years ago when staff started to um, represent to us the the actual Tacoma Mall urban village um, concept and idea. And since then, um, it, it, it's turned into a, a sub area plan all in itself. And so it, it showed how you would see more three and four story uh, apartment complexes, uh, condos and so forth. Somewhat kind of like, somewhat kind of like a, a Northgate South mm-hmm. Center approach to it. And that's great, but with that comes higher incomes. So who currently lives there are, are usually older homeowners on fixed incomes. And also, there's a very high concentration of African Americans who live just a few blocks away from the on the mall itself. And so, what will naturally happen? It won't happen overnight, but in ten or or twelve years, you'll see a lot of those older homeowners and lower income households who will just no longer be there. Mm-hmm. And that happens over and over again. Is governor into entities struggle with 
how to incorporate current residents into their future planning. And in some way, sort of like, sort of a, um, how to incorporate, but also maintain the actual community that is there. Yeah. Because, because when it comes down to it, it is all about the, you know, the green, you know, the money. It just mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, these households on fixed incomes or again, lower incomes just don't have the actual capital to say, hey, you know, we have the, uh, the means of staying in, in here and, and growing with the changes that the city is, is looking to make. Yeah. And, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you know, I have a, a friend who lives in that area who was pretty active in the sub area planning and and she is older and on a fixed income, owns her own home. And it's a nice, it's a little house on a pretty decent sized piece of land. And I know she plans to live there, you know, for her entire life and would like to leave it to um, her daughter or granddaughter. But, you know, at some point in time, I could see that she would start getting offers from uh, apartment and condo developers. Um, and probably, I don't, you know, she's pretty stubborn, so she may not do anything, but probably it would be in her personal economic best interest to sell it and, um, you know, take that money in and go someplace else. So I can't really, you know, when we see that pattern emerging, I can't really criticize the individual owners who who take that sort of windfall and decide, you know, this is the best thing for me and my family. But yes, then you suddenly have an even more change in that neighborhood and the entire um, character of the community is going to be changing. Yeah. And 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 even in the, in the case of Hilltop, you know, I think you and I were talking about it uh, over the phone is that Hilltop started changing years ago. And and I'm actually a surprise that it that it did not gentrify even sooner. I'm just I'm just. I, and so, you know, so just to go even further back, yeah. I went to Evergreen. And so essentially I, I have a BA in, 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 in poli sci slash um, urban planning. And so I, I went to Evergreen to study gentrification. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, if, you know, that's that's odd that a person could go to school just for that. But again, you know, I, I, I went there for that because I'm originally from Cincinnati. And I'm, I remember as a kid, always having some cousins or some aunts and uncles who all of a sudden had to had to had to move again, mm-hmm. and it was like, well, because the actual city, if not housing of authority, told them, hey, well, you know, if you want us to still pay or help you pay for your uh, rent, you you now have to live over here now. Or so I, I always just I was fascinated and and scared. I was like, well, that's mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. So so Hilltop, like I said, it's I believe Hilltop. It should have been gentrified a, a long time ago, and I'm glad it had. It has n- not entirely yet, but I think you know that actual w- window is 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 closed. It's mm-hmm. not it's closing, and I would say that that like the actual light rail further further spurs that. But there was plenty of opportunity to actually in- incorporate the the longstanding community into it and and it was though mm-hmm. you know i i remember serving on again uh, the actual hilltop sub area planning group and and this was in in like in in 2011 mm-hmm. and i i, I remember us ex talking about how to keep certain aspects of this community still intact knowing that market forces will change certain character characteristics of it mm-hmm. and so that was an ongoing conversation then and, and and certain aspects of policy were actually put in place to ensure that happens i don't know how ultimately it'll look but like i said i like hilltop it's my um my parents came to see me when i lived off of six and m like years ago and they said well hey isn't it isn't it scary over there? I was like, no, it's not really scary. It's just kind of boring <laughs> because because 
it is a part of town that is being allowed to die. Yes. And the actual longstanding communities there are not being equipped to actually um, and encourage life and, and encourage growth, encourage the, uh, development. It's just a, it's just being a, allowed to uh, run its course. Mm-hmm. There's been stops and starts. Have our told said no? It's like it, it's like you could see from Sixth Avenue down to 19th Street off off of MLK. It's a flat, long strip of commercial, mm-hmm. and it's like it. I'm I'm just blown away. It's like how come? What stops and starts? What actual policies? Who actually got in the way of really allowing this place to flourish with the communities who were already there? You know, I think that is such an interesting question, Dorian, because um, so I grew up in Southern California and in Orange County. And, um, you know, the ethos was definitely develop and exploit everything. Right. I mean, that's sort of that's how everything works. And so when I moved up, I moved up to Washington in 1985 and I um, started working for the state in 1990. And I can remember my mother came up to visit me and I was driving her around Tacoma. I lived in Olympia at the time, but I was driving her around Tacoma because I said, look at this city. And I was specifically driving around Hilltop. And I said, this is this is the most amazing thing. This city, this this neighborhood that is within walking distance of downtown has these beautiful craftsman houses, uh, this this really charming, but kind of like a sleep little commercial center, and nobody's doing anything about it. And and she was amazed too because it was like you know, you didn't see you saw that in uh, Los Angeles or in Santa Ana only in areas where there was sort of like deep deep fear of gangland activity. And real gangland activity. And and so I have always just assumed that in a weird way, um, racism was kind of the protective blanket over Hilltop because white people like me would have been afraid to come in and exploit because we had this idea that, you know, well, there's black people living here and probably there's gang issues and it's Hilltop, which has sort of become this idea of scariness. Um, and, and I don't, and I think, you know, since a lot of the, you know, drug wars and such of the nineties sort of went away eventually, I think it's kind of that, that, that fear of blackness and that fear of what a black community might mean to a white person has kind of evaporated. And now you see, you know, the, the developers coming in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, essentially, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. And I think the last remnants of usually African, long-standing African American communities are are their houses of worship. Yes, there are still churches there, even if most of their congregants live in other places of the city or even county. You know, I mean, you know, this this entire Puget Sound region has a very sort of disjointed, and I think. And I think in, in, intentionally, African American um, households. Um, my uh, wife is originally from the Seattle CD um, area, and and so essentially, her family didn't move to South King County until she, she was already probably about ten or eleven years old. So it was about twenty or so years ago. But she would tell me how growing up, she the only persons she saw were black. And it, it, it amazes me hearing that. It's like mm-hmm. living here in Washington State is kind of like, this is the whitest state I've ever lived in. Actually, It really is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've i lived in the Midwest and the South and East Coast, but I, this is the, uh, the whitest state, you know, for me, growing up all over the country, but again, especially in Cincinnati, the only time I saw a, a, a white person was a social worker or a cop. Yeah. I didn't see just 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 white people just outside. I didn't. But um, so what she experienced in the CD is Hilltop, is is L.A., is Oakland, is Portland, happens in all of these urban 
areas of, of, of wherein, wherein race is the overwhelming factor. If person's incomes are not rising a lot of times due to op op oppression, they will be edged out of their communities. As soon as higher income, um, as soon as interests who are white see a need to, to be in their communities, either through force or through a check, will slide these communities, longstanding communities, especially African-American, out of the way. Hence why you see places like the city of, of Renton is very culturally diverse. Kent diverse. A place like Auburn is actually diverse and, and federal way as well. But, you know, places like Seattle and so forth aren't as diverse as it once were. And, and I would say Hilltop is the same way. I, I have friends who actually grew, grew up on Hilltop who now live in places like Spanaway, Parkland, Puyallup, UP. I mean, th these are places that historically were either white suburbs, if not had a, a very high concentration of lower income white households. And, and now these places are getting more diverse, sometimes th through income and, and also through race as well. And so those, those again, ever, ever growing changes. I know, for instance, I was talking to the late um, Mayor Harold Moss and he said, son, as soon as we had a chance to leave Hilltop, we left. We, we moved to the West End of Tacoma near the zoo. Um, even if, even if we weren't allowed to, to buy property with a view, which you know we could talk about covenants too, but uh, but 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 at the same time, they left if they could afford to, because they saw the lack of investment in their in their actual communities to grow and, and stay there. Mm -hmm. And so, you also have a, a, a you also have a a middle income and a and a higher income. Um, class of older African African Americans who actually established themselves and made their names in on Hilltop who don't live on Hilltop anymore. Yeah. They might still they, they might still go to church there, but don't live on Hilltop anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, so for me, Hilltop has historically been low income and of color, if not actually always African American. It has always been low income. Yeah. Let me stop you there. We're going to take a short break and when we come back, let's follow it up because I think that that's one of the kind of chicken and egg conundrums of the development and gentrification and change issue, which is, you know, sometimes if you don't make these changes and improve the communities, you have so much loss to them that it's a real impairment. And then other times, you know, when, when you bring the change in, you have loss as well. So let's take a break. We'll come back to that. This is Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, We Art Tacoma, and a proud Alaska Airlines frequent flyer. Everything in our day-to-day -day life seems to involve more hassle these days. So it feels good that Alaska Airlines is making something easier. Alaska has made air travel virtually touch-free. Here's the rundown. When you check your bags at the airport, you won't have to touch the kiosk to print your bag tags. They'll print when you scan your boarding passes, or you can even print them from home. When you board your flight, they can scan your boarding pass from as much as six feet away. Now, the lawyers want me to say that this might not work if the lighting in the terminal is low or if the print quality of your boarding pass isn't great. But still, kudos to Alaska for trying to keep physical distancing at every point of the trip. And don't forget, you can pre-order your meal from your phone or from your computer. You can even put your card on file in case you decide mid-flight to splurge on a local wine or beer get your drink without pulling out your card. Now that's the perfect blend of convenience, safety, and temptation. Those are the thoughtful details that make me choose Alaska Airlines every time I fly domestically. When you're ready to travel, rest easy, because Alaska's got this. Skip the travel sites and visit alaskaair.com to book your next flight. Thank you, Alaska Airlines, for making travel smoother, and thank you for your support, Channel 253. Hi, we're back. And before we get back in our discussion about gentrification and change and 
amenities and how that impacts communities. I want to say, if you are not yet a member of Channel 253, I hope you will consider joining us. Uh, it is $4 a month or $40 a year. You get access to all of this excellent, uh, I will say excellent podcasting. Uh, and there's some member special podcasts. Um, Doug, our producer, does a podcast called Off the Record that always has interesting tidbits in it. And we just launched last month a uh, members-only Slack channel, and that has been a really interesting uh, forum for discussions and questions about things going on in Tacoma. So I hope you will join us. Uh, okay, Dorian, to get back, you had just said something, and this is something that we had talked about over the phone too that I find very interesting, and that is that a lot of um, a lot of really incredible leaders in the community who grew up on Hilltop left um, for various reasons. And I think that that is something that also needs to be factored in. You know, when you look at an area that has been neglected and um, there has not been the investment either in um, the community amenities like, you know, parks and nice sidewalks and keeping the roads in good condition, um, or there has been a failure of um, assistance to the business community, whatever the reason, when you have an area that has been neglected, you're going to have families who look around and say, you know, I need to do better for my family. I need to move to another area where either I can live in a place where these are, these amenities are, or I'm getting away from these things that are troubling me. And that is also a harm or a lack to the community that they leave behind. Um, especially when it's some of your um, core leaders, and as you say, they may uh, come back or they may, you know, keep their roots healthy. They may continue to come to the black churches. Um, but I think that that is uh, a resource that is incredibly valuable that is often not factored in when you, um, when you fail to invest, you may lose your people. And that can be the biggest hurt of all. Yeah. You, you know, very interesting to say that I was, you know, I, it's, it, it actually dawned upon me. I said, and I can't recall the last time I saw a, a black, quote unquote, neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we have black people that can live anywhere we, we want. <laughs> Granted, the, 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 uh, there are systematic oppression at play too, wherein we can live anywhere we want, but not necessarily live anywhere we want. Mm -hmm. But we also, just like every other cultural group, want a sense of being together. And so places like Hilltop were that, you know, and still is that to a certain degree from an actual nostalgic standpoint, but even more so persons who still are saying, no, this is home. Mm -hmm. So even though Hilltop was historically that of the place, it is still other place for people, for a, a, a lot of people. I know, for instance, I, I, I serve on again uh, on the board for um uh, for um of for Terra, and so we I told the staff that hey, it's very important that we inv invest in Hilltop, even if our actual bottom line is to turn a profit. I said, in order to, uh, to really incorporate community into our ethos we have to ask the community to help guide us through what it wants our project to look like mm -hmm. and so i told them even if it takes years you know it's it's it's, it's very important that hilltop has a say with what we do mm -hmm. now it, it has turned a profit you know it, it, right. it, i mean granted but but it doesn't have to turn a profit at the expense of people. So incorporate people into it. Mm -hmm. and so, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that that's a really interesting um, situation then. I would, I would like to hear your thoughts on that. So what Forterra is doing is they're developing the Rite Aid property. So really right in the heart of Hilltop, right in the heart. And I can see that on the one hand, it's so needed. I mean, that that lack of having the Rite Aid open and that big parking lot is just a scar on the heart. Um, at the same time, I can imagine there will be people saying, or there are people saying, 
this is just gentrification. You know, you're going to develop this into uh, something that is going to cause values to rise and that may drive some people out of the area. How, how, do you, how do you deal with that? I mean, so this is a pet peeve of mine is that people label something as gentrification and that ends the discussion. And I think it shouldn't because I don't, gentrification is a description of a thing that happens and it happens naturally in the way we have marketplaces set up. Um, but that doesn't mean that the investment in the community or the development of amenities in the community shouldn't happen. So how do you balance it? Yeah. So, so and, and great question. And, and that actually goes back to um, telling staff, I said, it's, it's very important that we incorporate the actual community into this project. And so, you know, there is a project with um, um, Fab, Fab, uh, Fab Five to help actually mm -hmm. guide that because it's like th this this inv investment still has still has to be sustainable, but it doesn't have to strip the actual corridor or or, or the greater the community of its character in in order for our organization to to sort of profit immensely off of it. I know Forterra has turned more into an actual a property a property developer because there's other projects that we have in like South Seattle and South King County where we're actually working with um, um, communities of, of, of color on how to incorporate them into these actual projects in itself, even if that means actually going back to the drawing board to ensure that the character and also the actual what I what I like to say the vibe of this mm -hmm. project syncs with what the um, community is asking for, because at, at, at the end of the day, everyone deserves. To have nice things, I, I don't know anyone, including me, who was low income, if not is low income, who just wants things to look horrible around me. Mm -hmm. Everyone likes nice things. Everyone also doesn't want to be kicked out either. Mm -hmm. So how do you find that, especially when the market is is actually driving towards profit. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, I think that's really the key thing. I mean, there's so many things that we need to invest in, you know, for the health of our community. We need to have the best schools that we can afford. You know, we need to both you know physical plant and teachers. We need to have um, sidewalks in neighborhoods. You know, when you and I were talking, you said that actually has drainage implications too. Sure. You know, we need to have trees in our neighborhoods because that helps to regulate the temperature. I mean, these are things that we need to have healthy neighborhoods, regardless of who's living in them. Um, and yeah. we, sh and we shouldn't, I don't think we should look at them as these are things that cause harm, but they are in some ways, unless you intentionally try to mitigate that and do them the right way. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Like for, for yeah, our conversation about, you know, sidewalks, you know, you know, I, you know, I've, I've been told in the past from planning staff, why, why it's things seem so dis, disjointed on the east side, south, south side, and even some parts of the sort of north side, where in, you don't see sidewalks like I don't. That's, that's weird to me. But um, but but at the same time, it's like it's it, but it's a greater instance of that on you know southeast side and in some areas of hilltop even. And it's it's like it's it is it is basic neglect. Mm -hmm. It really is. And it's and it's and it's you know this this city. And I'm not even blaming the current council, current staff, mm -hmm. current, current, current. I'm just saying that the city uh, neglected its need to actually serve the people throughout the entire city 
equally. And it's something as easy as having sidewalks and curbs. Mm -hmm. um, that in itself, like I said, it, it's an issue because, you know, dr drainage is a health issue. The last thing you want is, is actually standing water in your street in front of your house. You don't want that. I mean, that has longstanding health impact if it continually happens. And so something as, as, as simple as that has, has, has those equity implications. And it is around race as well. Mm -hmm. you know, and 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 it's it's it seems tr trivial to talk about sidewalks and curves, but I mean, I live I live a couple of blocks away from Wapato, and I haven't seen a curb yet. <laughs> I, there's sidewalks here and there, but I haven't seen a curb. It's like this is a city. <laughs> Where are the curbs at? I don't get it. Well, and the yeah. thing that and the thing that really bothers me about that, uh, one of the speakers of the forum um, was a, a woman in a wheelchair, and she said, "You know, there's huge disability access issues there." Um, but the thing that gets me is, and I've always had a real bug about, you know, sort of fundamental fairness and equity. And the thing that really bugs me, as I look out, you know, toward my front um, street where we have a sidewalk and our a well-maintained street. I don't pay higher. I mean, I may pay higher property taxes based on the value of my home, but the rate that I pay is the same as someone who lives in the south end of the city who doesn't have a sidewalk, who maybe has a, a road that is not in good repair. And that's just wrong, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just there's, there's, there's no reasonable justification for saying that one neighborhood should have these amenities which, by the way, is filled mostly with white people, and another neighborhood that may be filled more with non-white people doesn't have those things. I mean, it happens historically. We allowed it to happen, but we can't continue to have it happen. No, no. It's it's kind of like everyone everyone deserves the same quality of life. Mm -hmm. People people can choose. On what they want to do with that actual "quote unquote" quality, but everyone deserves a a a baseline quality of life, and it's just it's just obvious that is is not you know you know what I'm saying everywhere. It's just not you know my my friend once told me he said just just talk about you know gentrification and people being being kicked out. He said you know white people get get sort of up in arms about that actual word. Some scream, yeah, you, you can't kick out people. Others saying, hey, it's just time to go, it's time to go. He said, he said, honestly, he said, he said, I just want a better quality of life and I, and I want the, the opportunity to choose where that actual quality of life is, is, is going to be at. Mm. And I say, yeah, 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 you're right. Because, you know, people that don't like to, well, most people I know don't like to live in squalor. Mm -hmm. But people also don't like for, for market forces to kick them out either. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, and so like hearing that word, justification is like, yeah, I mean, yeah. It happens. It's horrible. So, so what? Now what? Yeah. So now what? Now what? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's horrible. Yes. Just stop it when it is absolutely doing the worst of people. Absolutely. But I also know that we live in a, a capitalistic society in itself, and and we have longstanding racial uh, policies that that fracture households slash communities and one way that is done is through is through is through gentrification mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know i think that when you come back to it you know and especially since i'm always doing this sort of the so now what piece is uh the type of work that you've been doing where you really 
engaging the people who are going to bear the impact of the policy and making sure that they have every opportunity to participate in the decision making and um, and have their their point of view taken into consideration. I think maybe that's um, for me, that's the takeaway that, you know, treat people with dignity, engage them, don't assume. And I will say um, for a white person, and especially one that's been in in government most of her life, it's very easy to assume. Very, very easy. And and I'll say for myself, not in a, not in a way of necessarily arrogance. Um, You know, you don't question yourself. You think, well, I know what I know. I know what, 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 would be best in this situation, but you still have to engage people. And I think the difficulty um, is, and some, sometimes I think it is racism in, in that if you are a white person, you may not feel as comfortable going into a non-white community and engage. You may not feel you have the skills to do so effectively. Um, and that creates a barrier so that you're less likely to do it, even when it's so important that you do. And so one of the things I really appreciate about Archway and about you, Dorian, is that, you know, you have those skills in most cases, but you also are, you know, you're a pretty forthright guy. You would be willing to say, stop, you know, you're making a mistake here. You need to do this work in order to move forward appropriately. You know, also too, I, I also, after, after serving on the Hilltop sub area planning group, well, actually, 10, 10 years ago, actually in April, um, mm-hmm. I told some of my friends, I said, hey, the, this area is changing and you're not going to suffer from change. I said, I encourage you, if, if you have the means and if your family has the means, to start purchasing homes on Hilltop, especially as Black people. Mm-hmm. I said, in of the day, we have to generate wealth for ourselves and our families because no one else is going to going to do that. And I said, white people might think that that your kids need help going to college. Let them think that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let them give you grants. But I told them, Hilltop has continually been neglected. And and like the the, the market forces are coming. Mm-hmm. I said now's the time to purchase housing, and choose this if you want to stay there or not. But you have to see it as an opportunity to build wealth. When you know the, the average African American household, their 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 getting wealth is is on a such a lopsided spectrum as it is to white households. I told them even if even if you feel as if you are be, are being kicked out, make sure you are owning a piece of property while you are actually being kicked out. Mm-hmm. I said that's key because mm-hmm. if not, then it, 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 makes, it makes it even harder as an African American in, in, in Pierce County to, to actually have a decent lifestyle if if you don't own property of of any kind. And of course, a, a, a lot of people couldn't, and even more people can't now to do that. And again, it, it, boils, it, it, it boils down to racism and, 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 and how policy is y- y- utilized to sort of sustain that, mm-hmm. that actual racism in itself. And it's like, it's, it is an ever going cycle. And I think the one takeaway for me is that I'm not going to stop it but i'm going to make sure of, of that i understand how to see opportunities to, to not be totally screwed over while it's actually happening over and over again mm-hmm. and that and and that hopefully um, it's one takeaway that i've told a lot of my friends like if you see opportunity stick Stick with it itself. Yeah. And if if that actually means that you stay put in your house, well, stay put. If it if it means as you see the uh, the writing 
on the wall. Well, make sure you maximize your your ability to take care of your family now and in the future before you're kicked out. Yeah. I think that's good advice. I think that's excellent advice. Yeah. No, no one else is ever going to watch out for you. I mean, no, 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 they're not. That's why seeing these conversations and arguments about kicking out people, it's like, well, the thing I want, I, I want to give people options. And one way to, of option is giving them access to wealth uh, building and, and, and capital. I don't want them, especially African-Americans that feel trapped. Mm-hmm. I want them to feel, well, shoot. Yes, things are changing around me, but I'm here to stay. Well, mm-hmm. well good. Or shoot, things are changing around me. How exactly can I own a piece of of this area as it's changing? So, like I mentioned, my friend, four, going five years ago, he and his wife purchased a house on Hilltop for a good uh, 180. Yeah. That was, that was in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. I know... I know even then a lot of persons couldn't afford that. I get that. But but, if, but the few who could and and, and could choose to, to, to do the on Hilltop, I mean, the house is probably worth 350 now easily. Easily. And yeah. it, it's a way that he can actually sort of build upon his, his, his family's well-being for their actual future to children and, and, and so forth because as an, as an African-American, I've learned that people are not going to take care of you. You have to take care of yourself, especially your own family, especially when you are not you are not able to have your own sort of like sustainable community. Mm-hmm. Create one, but mm-hmm. through investment and, and capital, only if you can. Yeah. And it's it's it sucks, but I mean, th- th- that is the American story too. Yeah, it is an American story. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to end it there because I know you've got some very important events to take care of today as you bring your little girls home. Thank you so much, Dorian. I really appreciate it, and um, I really appreciate the work that you do in the community. I think you make an enormous difference. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Dorian. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com membership and join. Thank you. Crossing Division is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Art Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounders B-Team, Citizen Tacoma, What Say You, and Gimme the Mic. This is Channel 253.